Okay, we are right back into Bible study lesson 20. Again, this is Bible Braced. And if you are just now joining us, you need to go back and listen to our intro to Bible study episode and then listen through lessons one through 19. That'll catch you right up. But for now, we're getting right back into the text. We've been in John and we have been reading about the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, his early phase here that only John the Apostle will record. It's not in the other Gospels. And so we've seen the calling of the first five disciples, which we assume is John the Apostle, and then Andrew and Peter, Philip and Nathaniel. They went together to the wedding at Cana. They then went to Capernaum with the family of Jesus for a few days. And then it looks like Jesus and his disciples alone go on to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. So Jesus has been in the city. He has cleansed the temple. He's had an interaction with the Jews there, probably the religious leaders, we can assume. So yeah, kind of interesting, all the things that are going on here. So we're getting into chapter three, and this is a very important chapter in the Christian walk. And I'm sure you have heard parts of it, If even if you do not read the Bible regularly. Chapter three is very significant. So let's just jump right in verse one. Now there was a man of the Pharisees whose name was Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said to him, okay, first of all, why are you there at night, Nicodemus? (laughs) I think we know why. Let's see if we've got a footnote here on this intro to Nicodemus in our MacArthur Study Bible. I bet we do. Yes. Uh, Okay, so it says here, Although Nicodemus was a Pharisee, his name was Greek in origin and means victor over the people. That's interesting. He had a Greek name. He was a prominent Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin, a ruler of the Jews. Nothing is known about his family background. He eventually came to believe in Jesus. We know that from later in the Gospel of John, risking his own life and reputation by helping to give the body of Jesus a decent burial. At the very end of the Gospel of John, we see that. So when it says he's a ruler of the Jews, this is a reference to him being part of the Sanhedrin. And this would have been quite an honor in this time period. To be a religious leader was an honor, but to be a ruler of the religious leaders was also an honor. So him coming to see Jesus by night, the footnote for 3.2 says, While some have thought that Nicodemus's visit at night was somehow figurative of the spiritual darkness of his heart, or that he decided to come at this time because he could take more time with Jesus and be unhurried in conversation, perhaps the most logical explanation lies in the fact that as a ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus was afraid of the implications of associating openly in conversation with Jesus. He chose night in order to have a clandestine meeting with Jesus, rather than risk disfavor with his fellow Pharisees, among whom Jesus was generally unpopular. I think that does make sense because we see later, I think it's in chapter 7. Yes, chapter 7, verses 50 and 52. Let's go there real quick. John 7, 50 is later in the ministry of Jesus, it says, Nicodemus, the one who came to him previously, who was one of them, said, Our law does not condemn a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? But then they answered him, like, sarcastically, and were like, Are you also from Galilee? Investigate and see. 
And they kind of give him a hard time for that statement. But here you can see Nicodemus is standing up for Jesus a little bit. But then when they make that retort, he doesn't keep fighting. He just kind of like everyone goes to their own house. It says at the end of that verse. So that's kind of interesting to me. I, I think John is capturing here, even just by saying he's coming to him by night. You know, there's an idea to that. There's an idea that's conveyed here because he could have just said he came to Jesus, but he tells us it was at night. So I think we can kind of assume that, but you know, we don't need to be emphatic about things that scripture is not emphatic about. So it says, this man came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one is able to perform these signs that you are performing unless God were with him. Pause here. First of all, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Who's the other we? Who else knows? So the religious leaders as a whole do not believe that. We see that from other interactions Jesus has with them. But apparently there are some that do understand who Jesus is. And when he says it like that, it almost makes it sound like Nicodemus has been sent almost like a delegation to interact with Jesus on behalf of these men who believe. It's kind of interesting to consider that. We know from elsewhere in the Gospel of John that there are those of the Pharisees who believed in Jesus, but were afraid to speak up because of their position. And the verse actually says, because they love the praise of man more than the praise of God. It like actually states that. Let's look that verse up real quick, actually, instead of just talking about it. They loved the praise of man. John 12, 43. Let's go there quickly. John 12, 43. And that says for, okay, so let's start earlier than this. Verse 42 says, yet despite that, even many of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be expelled from the synagogue for they love the praise of men more than the praise from God. Isn't that tragic? Mm, That's so sad. But again, we see here that there was more than just Nicodemus, it looks like, who knew Jesus was truly God. And Nicodemus seems to almost be an emissary that's coming to interact with Jesus. So we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one is able to perform these signs that you are performing unless God were with him. And this is where you kind of wonder what Jesus has been doing during this week of Passover, because there's enough of a crowd. There's enough of a hubbub regarding him. The so much that Jesus is not trusting himself to that kind of notoriety. And then he's causing a stir enough for Nicodemus to come see him at night. And he's apparently been performing signs that point to the fact that only someone coming from God could do these things. So we don't know what all Jesus has been doing. Maybe there are miracles that are recorded in other gospels. Maybe not, um, because this seems to be kind of a pre-period before we get into the bulk of his ministry. So it's kind of interesting. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born from above... He is not able to see the kingdom of God. And so here, our little footnote in our app says the same Greek word can mean either from above or again, which allows for the misunderstanding by Nicodemus here. Jesus was speaking of new birth from above, while Nicodemus misunderstood him to mean a second physical birth. That's interesting. So the word can mean either one. Okay. So it says, unless someone is born from above or born again is how Nicodemus takes it. He's not able to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is an old man? He is not able to enter into his mother's womb for the second time and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, 
he is not able to enter into the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. There are a lot of people who get off into like, what does it mean to be born of water? And I think that doesn't take that much uh, imagination to understand what's being said here. Um, Even though amniotic fluid is not water, we do say people's water break when they're having a baby, right? That's like the idea of, of being born of water. But then you see here in verse six, that same thought is reiterated. But then instead of water, he says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. So he makes it really clear that we're talking about physical birth here. And then he says, what's born of the spirit is spirit. And he's being emphatic about that. But then what's interesting here is he says, what is born of the spirit is spirit. The what is born of the spirit, that is a capital S. That is referring to the Holy Spirit. So he's saying whatever is born of God through the Holy Spirit, essentially. That is the function of the Holy Spirit. So that's interesting. And that's probably from the context here of what we're talking about. Do not be astonished that I said to you, it is necessary for you to be born from above. The wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Very cool. So here we have the reminder here that like, We understand the concept of experiencing things that we cannot see. I don't know why people get so hung up on this when it comes to talking about spiritual things and God. Well, I can't see it. It's like, well, you can't see gravity, you silly little goose. That doesn't mean that it doesn't have an impact on your body. It doesn't mean you're not experiencing the effect of it every day. So yeah, we don't need to get caught up on things we can physically see. There are a lot of things I can't physically see right now. It doesn't mean that they're not existing all around me currently. So he's saying the wind's blowing wherever it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's coming from and where it's going. And so this idea here is everyone who's born of the spirit, it's you can't predict it. You can't see where it comes from or where it goes. Like there's this aspect of it being uncontrolled. You just have hear it. You feel the impact of it. So then verse nine says, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel? And you do not understand these things. Ouch. (laughs) Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify about what we have seen and you do not accept our testimony. If I tell you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. And Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, thus it is necessary that the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And this is where we start to really see this rising crescendo as Jesus is looking forward to what he will one day do. Verse 16 then says, and this is the context of what we've been talking about, right? And coming out of verse 15, where that so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. The idea of Moses lifting up the snake in the wilderness and those who would look on that snake. And this is a story from the Old Testament. It's in Numbers 21. If you want to go back and read that and remind yourself of the facts of that. But essentially, people were dying as part of judgment for sin they committed. And God told Moses to make a bronze serpent and put it on a staff and to lift it up. And whoever would look on that would be saved. And it was a picture of what was coming. It was a picture of what Jesus would one day do. And Jesus is referencing that right now, 
communicating with an Old Testament scholar. You know, this this teacher would know the Old Testament. This religious leader would know the Torah. And he was communicating with him what had happened and reminding him of these shadows that were going to paint a picture of the future. So then coming out of this, and just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, thus it is necessary that the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For in this way God loved the world, so that he gave his one and only Son, in order that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world in order that he should condemn the world, but in order that the world should be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not condemned, but the one who does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light in order that his deeds may be revealed, that they are done in God. This is the end of the conversation Nicodemus has with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Like, and now you can see where John 3.16 fits, right? Taking John 3.16 and just pulling it out of the chapter it comes out of, you still get like the plan of salvation, essentially. And that's why people do that, right? But it belongs in this big thought. You know, it belongs in this, this Jesus is looking to the past and he is reminding everyone listening about what has been foretold, what the pictures of him coming were in the Old Testament. And he's talking about the plan and goal for him to be here. And then he's looking forward to the idea that we're going to have eternal life. This is what he's coming to do. But then he's also reflecting on the fact that, you know, he came into the world and and he was light and that this is the judgment that the light's coming to the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light. Like he didn't come to want to condemn he came to want to save, but when the light comes and the, they would rather be in darkness, people would rather love darkness than light because their deeds are evil. It's like, well, that's the condemnation. That's the world is bringing that upon themselves. Everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to it. And the one who practices the truth comes to the light in order that his deeds may be revealed that they are done in God. So it seems like Jesus is kind of reminding people that there are going to be two reactions to him. And he's here for those that are willing to believe, right? Like his, he will die for the sins of all. And we know that because we're told that in scripture many, many times, but you do not receive that gift unless you decide to repent and believe what Jesus has done for you and accept that free gift of salvation. And so some will love the darkness rather than the light and some will pursue the light. And so this is just, it's interesting to see it all kind of laid out there, the way Jesus talks about it in this passage. And then that's the end of his conversation with Nicodemus. So we went over today. I apologize for that, but it's a good thing to go over and to focus and reflect on the plan of Jesus coming and the fact that he had his eyes open. This is the very beginning of his ministry and Jesus knows he's going to die. You know, he's referencing that right here and why he's going to die. And he hasn't even been rejected by the children of Israel yet. So he knew what was going to happen. This is the plan of God from the beginning. And it's interesting to see the love of Jesus and the way he talks about it here. So I hope you guys have a blessed week and we'll be back next week. Lord willing to be with you again. Bye.